This is the MFG Monkey Podcast. We sit down with leaders and innovators in the industry to talk about manufacturing, business, and the stories behind their successes. I'm your host, Dustin McMillan, owner and founder of McMillan Co. Welcome, Paul. So today we have Paul Meter joining us from Pro Shop. You're kind of a serial podcaster. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been on the podcast bandwagon lately. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun actually. Website out, and it, you've been on quite a few. They and they're all they're all good. So thanks for thanks for joining me from Washington. Yeah, Dustin, thanks for for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's been uh, it, these times are so interesting because now. You know, before uh, before COVID, I think I was on maybe one or two Zoom calls a year. Or it wasn't even a Zoom right. call. It was probably go-to meeting, right? Uh, yeah. And then now this has kind of taken over. So we uh, have our uh, podcast room here, and it just made sense for us to, to jump on and, and chat like this. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to this. Thank you. So, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, just, uh, yeah, I think I like the format of your kind of more relaxed, just casual, you know, chatting style. And so I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you a little bit more. Yeah, no, and it's, it, it is kind of hard, I think, like this. We did a few in the beginning of, of COVID uh, podcasts just through Zoom. I did a couple with a buddy and our attorney and, you know, things like that. And it, it makes it a little bit more difficult because you don't get that that same uh, energy being in the same room over a couple of cocktails or, or, but, <laughs> but, you yes. know, we'll, we'll give it a go with, with this. So uh, I should have grabbed know. a beer before we started. Yeah, I actually, uh, that's probably not a bad idea, but I don't have it in front of me now either. So <laughs> it is what it is. Right. You bet. But yeah, um, I guess there's so many people that know your story, right. But if you can give us the, the quick, the quick and dirty, about how you got started and I can do an intro, but it's not going to be anywhere near as well. Sure. As well, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, my partners and I, uh, originally started a machine shop and we started that shop right out of college. So we went through a very hands-on program where we designed and built race cars actually for the formula SAE competition, which is a national or international actually. Uh, collegiate competition where schools design and build cars and then go compete with one another. It's incredibly fun um, and, and, a, and an amazing learning opportunity to you know, have real world hands-on experience. And in the school that we went to, we had a full machine shop available to us. So CNC mills and lathes and manual mills and welders and press brakes and all that kind of stuff. And so um, we just got to make stuff and fell in love with it. So we just started, decided to start a machine shop. And, uh, and as we grew that shop and added more people and it got more complicated and just more things to keep track of, we started looking for some software to help organize everything. We were using Excel spreadsheets and, and, uh, we just couldn't find anything that we thought was, uh, that was adequate for our needs as a job shop. And yeah. so rather than buying something and still having lots of spreadsheets, we just decided to hire a software developer and uh, just build something for ourselves. And so uh, we hired that, that guy, his name is Matt in 2000, in 2000 and just kept kind of growing the company, building features using this 
pro shop as, as it came to be known. It wasn't called that originally. Right. Um, just kind of as the backbone of our growth, organizing our, you know, all of our jobs and our quoting and our quality. As we got ISO and AS certified, we built all the features and modules for that. And, uh, and it wasn't until about eight years later that our biggest machine shop customer decided to ask us if we would sell it to them. And uh, after some discussions and deliberations, we decided to give it a try. Yeah. And it went so well that they started referring us to other companies and it just kind of went from there. And so we eventually sold that machine shop and went full-time into software in 2016. Yeah. And haven't looked back, huh? Haven't looked back. Yeah. <laughs> there was four of us that moved over from the yeah. software company and, uh, and now we have about 40 on, on the staff. And that's awesome. And How many uh, machine been... shops do you work with today? We're approaching 250. So, and we started Four or five years ago with four. So four wow. four companies and four of us. <laughs> and awesome. so it's been oh, a good yes. ride. That's been fun. Yeah. And it's been a, it's an incredible honor to work with these, you know, companies, mostly family run, you know, small, medium size that are just putting their heart and soul into what they do every day. And uh and it's uh it's an honor to to work with them and help them grow and and yeah. uh make their businesses easier and more successful. Well, it is great. And we are, you know, it's ever, ever more important to stay on the cutting edge of, of things, especially with quoting. And then once you win the business to make sure you can get it through the shop on time mm -hmm. and the quality that everyone deserves. And we see so many machine shops out there that just refuse to change. And yeah. it's, it's scary because you don't know don't know if they're refusing to change because they're they just they're complacent or they're just afraid of the technology uh or you know the the investment piece of it I mean, what's the biggest thing that you guys run into i think it's a combination of all three you know um there are certainly shops that have a, just a very nice lifestyle business right they're the size they like to be they're making money Yep. They don't really feel like they need to, uh, to change. Um, yeah. and that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Um, but, uh, you know, the old saying goes, if you're not moving ahead, you're moving backwards. And so I do think those shops are at a little more risk of becoming a little more obsolete and maybe having their customers move to shops that are, um, that are pushing that boundary of, uh, new technology and can provide yeah. more accurate, you know, lead times and quoting and better services and better quality reports or whatever all the you know things are that that are the sort of that winning formula that's going to lead to long-term client success sure. um some of them do want to change but they are afraid of the change mm -hmm. uh, and rightfully so because they've probably had a pretty tough time uh, adopting their current systems um or they've even had more than one and gone through a pretty painful process yeah so I certainly don't fault them for being concerned about it. And for some, it's the money. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of systems that, um, that don't provide as good a financial ROI as they, you know, as they probably should. And, and we focus a lot on doing that. Um, and uh, it really comes down to results. If you don't get those positive financial results, it, it wasn't worth doing in the first place. Sure. Yeah. And it, and it is it's intimidating to implement a new system. We did a year ago and uh, it's a more of a warehouse management system with our, with our business. And 
you know, we still struggle every day if it was the right decision or not. Uh, oh, really? We still live in spreadsheets and, and things like that. So we, you know, we've discussed mm. hiring a developer and, and trying to make something that matches us because we're, we are such a different animal on the yeah. side. Um, so, well, I, and I hear that all the time and we have definitely run across a number of shops that did build their own software or yeah. vastly customized something that's off the shelf, yeah. um, to the point where they can't even really upgrade the old software right. anymore. Right. Cause it'll break all their, yeah. all the things they custom built. Yeah. It was a tough spot to be in, but, um, but something you just said, you know, that you're so different, you know, it's amazing. We hear that from almost every company. They're like, we're different than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and um, there always are some differences, but mm -hmm. it's amazing yeah. how similar, you know, manufacturers are, job shops are, you know, mm -hmm. that, uh, that have a relatively similar process, right? Where they're quoting work and they have to, they have to handle it when it comes in and they have to manage the, the manufacturing process, regardless of, you know, if it's small volume or higher volume or um, always new parts or repeat orders, mm -hmm. you know, there's uh, there's a lot of common man manage quality through the process right. and get the paperwork right and deliver it on time and manage outside processes and those vendors, um, you know, they're, they all kind of fall into similar buckets. Um, is, is ProShop helping, helping uh, quote as well? Does it have a quoting module? Or is it does. Yes. Yeah. We have a okay. pretty comprehensive estimating and quoting okay. module. Um, it, uh, it helps you outline, I mean, of course, establish your pricing, but also outline um, the process of what the, sh what that part number or assembly or whatever needs to, you know, do when it hits the, when you, when you win that order and it hits the shop floor in terms of building that build that router and and it's really the foundation mm -hmm. of sort of what the shop needs to execute and ensure success the 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 quoting aspect is is key you know we hear it more and more i just talked to a, a new potential customer today and um you know the first dog to the bowl eats i had a customer tell me one time and and it's so true uh, mm -hmm. and there's other systems out there that that really hone in on the quoting piece and your likelihood of winning that business. If you quote within, you know, same day or within 24 hours and it just, it dwindles down to next to nothing. If you get out, you know, past a couple of days and absolutely. Yeah. A lot of shops don't, they don't want to, uh, I, I just, I don't think they want to believe that. Um, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's tough and, and we see it constantly. It's the nature of the beast. I mean, yeah, especially, especially on those, they, especially they on those out. quick turnaround jobs. You're right. Yeah. Usually it's often the first people that submit a reasonable quote will win that work. Yeah. Regardless so. of how silly it is, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be triple the price of the next quote and they've already cut the purchase order because they needed it. Right. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, and actually we're working on an integration right now with, uh, with at least one of the sort of more widely used popular quoting platforms out there too because okay. um, we have a number of shared clients that uh that uh, really enjoy that and want that to that data just flow smoothly right into order entry and and our you know our core part of the manufacturing process too sure yeah and they're and i can probably guess who it is but it doesn't sound like you want to talk about it right this oh time, it's so. paperless parts is paperless that the one parts. okay that was yeah. going to be my guess yeah, jason and those guys, guys definitely a great product 
Yeah. Yeah. Jason, absolutely. I've, I've referred uh, a lot because we get in, you know, we're mainly buying everything, right? We outsource next right. everything. So right. when we run into an issue where people are having trouble voting, we refer them to Jason and, and his mm-hmm. team. So, it's, yeah. I mean, it's the, it makes sense, right? You can plug it in. You can have one person do the work of, of a whole team and, mm-hmm. and you can turn it a hell of a lot faster. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had clients tell me that, that just using pro shops estimating has sped that up about 300%, but from what they were, what they used to do, but there's still some things about paperless that are, that are just, you know, way beyond what we're doing that are just really, really cool. Yeah. And uh, our companies are just, I think, really well aligned in sort of yeah. our mission and our, the way we approach client success and our um, dedication to continuously improving our products. Yep. So, um, yeah, our developers are working right now on, on making some connections between our products. So that's pretty, awesome. pretty exciting. They, they push into a few different ERP platforms currently, right? They do. Yep. Um, they've had to kind of reverse engineer some of them because the, some of those more, I'll call them legacy products don't really have APIs, but they've, you know, the paperless guys have figured out ways to kind of push yeah. data into it a little bit manually. Awesome. So yeah. when, are you guys working with uh, fabricators and as well as machine shops or is it very focused on? Machine no, we do. Yeah. Um, a number of our customers do both. Um, and we even have some that are largely fabricators rather than machine shops, but, um, and we even have a few clients that are, that don't manufacture things at all, really. Um, I mean, we have a client in uh, on the East coast that makes lasers. So they, I guess they do, the manufacturing they do is growing crystals and, uh, wafers. Okay. Um, but besides that, they outsource all their other manufacturing or they just buy all the components and then they assemble it and, sure. you know, assemble it into a finished laser, but, um, but by and large, um, yeah, any kind of job shop type business is a pretty good sweet spot for us. Awesome. Um, yeah. One of the things that, uh, we had talked about just when we chatted before kind of, you know, if we wanted to do this or not, that I think both of us are pretty passionate about is, is that, that next step for, for companies. And you kind of touched on that with, uh, you know, companies that might be complacent and they, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're just going to work every day and they have a great life and, and there's really no need to grow or, or right. aspiration to grow. Um, but when it comes time to sell or to hand off to the next generation, you know, mm-hmm. what does that look like? And I, and I think that um, a company like pro shop makes, makes a company more valuable. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. just, for me, looking at uh, you know from the outside in, if you have a solid system in place and you know when you're going to be able to deliver to your customer, and it's not a guessing game, or right. a formula breaks in your spreadsheet, it <laughs> sure. makes it it makes your company more valuable. I, I yeah. think right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, we went through the process of selling our company, so we um, we saw it firsthand, of course, through that process, but, um, and we've had a number of companies, customers of ours that either the owner bought their shop, you know, and then decided to put pro shop in it. Um, and we've had a couple actually that are kind of right now going through either a merger or sale process as well. Um, but just universally, whether it's a machine shop or any other kind of business, if, if a company has 
well-defined business processes that are being run by a team uh, and that that the the formula for you know having happy clients with good quality parts on time really comes down to systems and the people running those systems a company like that will definitely be worth more money than a company where the owner is sort of central to all the things in the shop right in the company and um I don't know if you've read the book, The E-Myth, the wonderful yeah. book, Michael Gerber, uh, definitely recommend it. It was a pretty influential book in our early history at, at the machine shop. And basically the concept behind the book is it, E-Myth stands for entrepreneurial myth. And the, the idea is that um, uh, if you are really good at uh, some kind of technical craft, uh, then you'll be good at running a business that is doing that craft. So like if you are a tool maker, you'll right. be good at opening a tool and die shop and running that shop. And that's just, <laughs> just generally speaking, not the case. Right. Um, but, uh, but the sort of the premise of further expanded is that if you can design your business as if it was a prototype of a franchise, imagine you wanted to open a hundred more of your same exact business. Mm -hmm. And you needed to kind of develop a prototype of what that should look like if you were giving it to someone else to open and run, and it, it should operate exactly like you run your business. Right. It's got to come down to process, right? So, you yeah. can't you can't be in all hundred of those other shops right. as the central person. So when you have a company that is built like that, uh, well, that's all tied up around that owner then you really are limiting yourself. If, if you're going to sell it to, to a third party, you're limiting yourself to someone that wants to be an owner operator and isn't afraid of, you know, what they're getting into um, with you. If you disappeared, you know, a month after you, they sell it to you um, or you sell it to them that, uh, you know, they're, they're left with this company that's, that's just really tied up around the previous owner. So right. um, yeah, any, any company that can you know, use technology or systems or processes to, to, to make that sort of scalable uh, system is going to be worth more money. Yeah. Well, uh, and they're absolutely going to win more business because it's, it's such an easy conversation with a new potential customer that uh, they don't know who you are mm -hmm. and they want to make sure that they get their product on time. And, and outside of you just saying, Hey, we have a 98% on time delivery. You know, anyone can say that, right. But if you can mm -hmm. show them, this is how, this is how we deliver 99% of the time on time. And, and here's our track record and yeah. this is why we do it and how we were able to do it. Uh, it. It just, you win that business so much easier than, uh, well, yeah, we use this program and we have a couple of spreadsheets that we verify the program with <laughs> and, and it, all companies are do that. Well, I shouldn't say all, but there's, there's major companies that are still operating that way that do a hundred million dollars in business or more. And mm -hmm. yeah. they're, you know, they're almost guesstimating if they're going to be able to get it out or uh, I've been involved with companies that the, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease type of thing. And because they have so many orders that are late that the, the customer that is complaining the most, they just get bumped to the front of the line. Sure. And it, sure. And it screws everything else up. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on about that. Both, you know, the, the whole concept of using your business processes and your systems as a sales tool. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been, I've been saying that for years in that 
Um, like when we ran our shop, if we could get a buyer to come visit us or even just on a, you know, on a, on a go-to meeting back in the right. day yeah. or a, or a uh, WebEx that, you know, the first thing we would do is we would show them pro shop. We would show them our systems. We'd show them how we run our business. We'd show them the metrics and we'd show them how we're going to take care of them as a client um, and guarantee that delivery and quality. And it was an incredibly effective tool. And we have many, many customers now that use ProShop as kind of the cornerstone of their sales process. Sure. And we even had a customer that was featured in Modern Machine Shop magazine because they won a huge contract um, that uh, was originally dual sourced between them and another vendor. And their other vendor was using old software and paper and spreadsheets and really didn't have a good process. And our customer just completely wowed the, their, their audit quality team and uh, they gave the entire contract to them. Um, so yeah, it can definitely make a really big difference. Yeah. Well, and, the, and those companies know exactly what their capacity is. It's not a, sure. it's not a guessing game. And I would have to assume that it makes the employees lives easier, Yep. you know, on the floor. I mean, if, oh, sure. If it's going to be a good, it can be a good sales tool for recruiting employees. Sure. We've had many customers that are now starting to do that. Yeah. Um, and because uh, you're right, employees want to, they want to work in an environment where they know what they're doing. It's not frustrating. There's not tribal knowledge that they're trying to, you know, figure out of other people's heads and, right. and uh, just be able to go to work and do what they do well in a, in a well-run environment. And sure. uh, so, and, and these days, especially in the machining business, because there are so, and I'm sure it's true with fabricators and any kind of, you know, uh, technical craft, you know, there's so few people going into those trades right now and so many people retiring out of them that there's just, you know, an incredible lack of, of, uh, of, of workers. And so you got to recruit many people you can and retain the ones that you recruit. Yeah. Well, and, and there's so many different subjects that we could spin off <laughs> and, and go down, down a path, but you know, the recruiting thing is, is something that we've talked about with, you know, multiple people, Matt Goosey, I, you know, mm -hmm. with, uh, with his shop, MRS, MRS yeah. and, and yeah. they do an amazing job recruiting. And, and mm -hmm. we here are, are working on a program with one of my buddies that teaches at a JVS. I don't know if you guys have a joint vocational school out in Washington or not. Not with that term we certainly have you know technical colleges and there's one right here in town that has a machining program and and uh when we were running our shop we always had two people on the board of that program just so yeah. we could stay connected help them improve and also recruit the cream of the crop every year as the yeah. students start to graduate we yeah. were the first ones they'd they'd look at well and i think that that's such an important thing to do with recruiting uh my buddy teaches at the joint vocational school. It's a high school program where you can go for electrical trades or carpentry mm -hmm. or welding, or, you know, there's a lot of, I, I went there my senior year, junior, senior year of high school for right. AutoCAD and things like that. Um, Eric teaches a, it's an engineering program and I forget what the term is right now, but it's, it kind of encompasses all things um, manufacturing. So they learn how mm -hmm. to program, they learn, learn how to quote things. They learn how to draw. They, you know, they learn, you know, just, it's kind of a systems engineer type of a program where uh, it helps get them ready for kind of the unknown. Um, mm -hmm. And to go to 
go to work, not go to college. And I think that's even more important today where, you know, when, when I grew up, it was a big push to go to college and, right. and it, now I think it, it's certainly shifting where manufacturing is taking over so rapidly that people that aren't college driven, I was not, I was not a good student. It took mm -hmm. me 20 years to graduate college, literally. And, <laughs> but everyone is so forced into that, but now, right. you know, yeah. that manufacturing is coming back and, and it's clean and, and the wages are good and, and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. You're going to see more and more people not go to college. I feel. Um, yeah. And they, in college has become so expensive and it's mm -hmm. unclear that a college degree is going to necessarily provide a great ROI unless you maybe you're doing something, you know, highly specialized, right. Law or medicine or engineering, but, sure. uh, but, to go but to yeah, general degree it's, you know, why spend $80,000 on that? Absolutely. Yeah. You could have been working two years earlier, making right. probably almost the same money with sure. a much, much lower cost of that education. Yeah. And it's never going to replace the, the nursing and doctors and lawyers. Of you course, know, like you of said. course. You know, those things are, it's not like you can pick up a book or, you know, read on your own. I mean, there's those sure. people out there for sure. But, um, yeah. you know, going back to the, um, the transition from uh, companies, what, mm -hmm. what made you so passionate about uh, just following that? I mean, that subject, that was one of the things that you came up that you just really enjoy. What, what sparked that? I mean, seeing, so when we went into that very first customer, you know, we, we figured it would just, you know, it would, they'd use different screens. They would, you know, make things a little bit smoother or easier or whatever. It made such a huge impact to the people and the business. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned earlier about just sort of business process and who, which companies scream in the loudest, <laughs> you know, right. They were very similar to that in some ways they had, they mentioned that they had um, a late order list that was about six pages long all the time, like for years. That's just how long it was. And they employed two full-time expediters. That's all they did was run around and expedite jobs. And within just three or four months of putting ProShop in, that six-page list was down to like less than a few line items. And they didn't need those full-time expediters to do those jobs anymore. So they right. put them into more value-added positions. And, uh, you know, the, their main production manager, who was our, <clears throat> our main contact, he's like, this, he's like, this is changing our lives. Like, work is better. It's more fun. We're less stressed. I get right. to see my family and kids more. And it was just such a like an emotional impact for, for me and my partners. And, and then we did it again at another couple of shops and they just, you know, it, it made such a big impact. And, and, you know, we've always been, and I think over the years have gotten even more passionate about the importance of manufacturing to our economy mm -hmm. and especially the metal manufacturing, like everything in the world is originates with metal in some way or another, you know, sure. whether it's uh you know, your, your cell phone, which actually is made up of machined parts or machines that are, that are making all the electrical parts or the, or the, your shirt or whatever, the table you're right. sitting in front of it, all, all those things originally have fabrication and machining and metal. Right. And so supporting those kind of companies is really important. And it's just, 
And because most of these, most of our clients and most of these companies are, you know, smaller family run businesses and they're doing their best to, to, you know, grow their companies and, and support local, their local economies and hire people and have good jobs. It's just, it's like the best thing ever. Right. <laughs> it's so it's so rewarding yeah. to, to work with them so intimately. Have you uh, worked with companies that wanted to sell and they brought you guys in to, to implement their, to implement your ERP to, to get them ready to sell? I mean, have you, you know, not, case studies yeah, not specifically yet. Um, we do have some that are kind of approaching that. I have two clients right now that sort of, you know, confidentially on the side are like, Hey, I think I'm thinking about selling my company. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know you went through that process and we now think we're ready with all of everything's running pretty smooth. And, um, we've even had, although I've had the opposite, actually, I've had, I had a client, um, in Idaho, um, he bought his company, he bought a machine shop like 10 years ago, ran it for like seven years. He definitely grew it, but it was just such a struggle. And he was like, I think I want to sell my shop again. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he put pro shop in and I just talked to him last week and he's like, he's like, I've had the best last two years. He's like, I'm going golfing right. more often. I'm going hunting. The shop's right. just running like a top. I, you know, I'm so much less stress. Yeah. Why sell? I'm like, him. Yeah. he's like, it's like, I, you know, I could run this thing from the beach and, you know, make a great living. So yeah, both are, both are, those could be the case, but, um, but, uh, but the common theme there is having a smooth running business is just so much better than one. That's just a big struggle all the time. Yeah. It's, it, it certainly makes everyone's life more enjoyable. Yeah. I mean the owner, right. But if all the employees too. Yeah, if they're if they're not stressed out, I think the owner's stress is is less as well. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's easier to recruit. And if the owner's not stressed, the employees aren't as stressed. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. this virtuous cycle of reducing stress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when when do you uh think that you guys are going to kick off the the integration with paperless parts? Um I mean, I would suspect within the next, well, what is it? It's middle of May right now. Um, I'd suspect by, by the end of June, we'll probably have some beta clients that are shared clients that are, that are both, you know, um, trying it out. It'll be basic at the, at the beginning right now, our API is read only. Um, so, uh, although we can, we can import in through, um, through CSV files. So that, that first integration is going to be, they'll be publishing they'll be exporting data into a folder that will pick up, um, build records off that way. Um, but, uh, but then ultimately will our API will be, you know, fully sort of bi-directional and, and it'll be at a little bit more automated level, but, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. We're excited yeah. to get some, that is some cool. co- co-marketing together and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely be, do you know, um, I don't know why I just thought about this is this is my ADD kicking in, but um, IMTS, are they going to try and are they going to wait four more years and, and have IMTS or they're expecting to do an IMTS in 2022 in 2022. Yeah. So next year. Yeah. yeah. In the right. fall and around the yeah. same time frame or. Yep. Yep. Same fall. I think it's September. Yep. Yeah. Same frame. Because you guys are really involved at IMTS, aren't you? We have gotten more involved. Our very first one was 2016, and our only presence there was actually a little sort of mini booth inside the MasterCam booth because okay. we're a partner with MasterCam too. Um, but then in 20, 
18, we had our own booth, but we were downstairs. It was a small 10 by 10 booth. Um, if 2020 had happened, we would have had a, I think a 20 by 15 booth right up in the main ERP CAD section. So we were definitely going uh, a lot bigger, Yeah, but of course that didn't happen. So right. we'll be doing that next year. Yeah. We were excited about it. I was approved for a media pass there, which would have been fun. I mean, I just, oh, like totally. around, just looking at everything. So yeah. we'll, we'll certainly apply for that when they, you know, when they do have it again. So mm -hmm. it's such a great event there and meet in person and, and have that beer, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what, in fact, what else is on the horizon for you guys? I mean, it seems like you, you're ever evolving. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we are um, just constantly uh, building new features, growing our team, uh, meeting with clients. So one of the bigger things I'd say sort of theme-wise is cybersecurity lately. Mm. So we have a lot of clients yeah. that are in the defense area defense yep. space and so um, i'm sure you you know of itar but there's this new cmmc standard mm -hmm. are you familiar with that not familiar i've heard heard it okay. we just literally are going right now going through the nist the nist and yep 800171 yeah yeah fun stuff so yeah so <clears throat> so essentially for those that maybe aren't as familiar it's uh any company that works in what's called the defense industrial base or the DIB, which basically mm -hmm. means if you are anywhere in the supply chain making um, something for the government uh, and in that supply chain, you are handling a CUI or controlled unclassified information, mm -hmm. which could be like, you know, a drawing or a 3D model for a machined part that goes into a tank or goes into right. an airplane. Um, if your company is handling that kind of information, you will be required to go get a third-party certification to CMMC, which stands for Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. And uh, so it's very similar to ISO 9001 or AS9100, where it's a third-party auditor to us to us an explicit standard. Um, and in the past, <clears throat> it was a requirement uh, that companies that had this kind of information would be, you know, have ITAR registration and also um, be self-certified mm -hmm. to the NIST 800-171 standard and some of the DFARS requirements. But right. there was no third-party verification of that. Right. And there was enough companies that said they were compliant, but really weren't actually all that sure. compliant and had, got in trouble with, with you know, class, uh, unclassified data being shared with, with uh, people, that, people and companies and countries that it shouldn't be shared with. Right. Um, and as we all know, there's just Every, every day you turn on the news or open up your, your favorite website and there's another hack and more data that's been stolen. And so it's, it's becoming a really, really big deal. It is. Yeah. So we've been, we've been working for the last year on a whole bunch of new features to make ProShop compliant to the CMMC standard at level three, which is the main level that most job shops, machine shops would need to be, to be at. Um, and then we're also building what we call a CMMC Flying Start Package, which is basically kind of a, a bunch of documentation and records built into ProShop that allow a company to project manage their process for getting compliant and getting certified. 
with a whole bunch of really, you know, kind of step-by-step, -step, this is, these are the requirements, there's how you learn more about it. Um, it's not terribly prescriptive because every client will do things their own way. And we want to make, make sure that we're, we're definitely not a, um, we're not a consultant, but, uh, but anyway, it then provides them places to record and document what they actually did to meet compliance and then use ProShop to, as the main tool for going through the audit itself. So wow. sort of like our quality management modules, the, the majority of our clients that, that, that you know, are ISO or ASNA under certified would use ProShop as the primary place where they document all their quality, um, quality records and quality documentation. And so when the audit, when the you know, ISO 9001 auditor comes, they're almost exclusively just showing them ProShop. So it's all on a web browser. And, and so we're, that's the same way that our clients would, would go do an audit for CMMC. Okay. So that's a big one. And that yeah. right now it's, it's rolling out uh, sort of a staged kind of um, over about four or five years where um, more and more government contracts will start to have the CMMC requirements um, and uh, companies, if they want to be able to bid on that work or participate in those contracts, they will have to have that certification yeah. um, at some point. We, so that's a big one. Yeah, as we uh, are doing our NIST, we have to do a POEM. And I forget what the acronym O-M, is. yep. O-M. Yep, um, yep. So we, Simple IT is helping us with that. We had AJ nice. or on, mm -hmm. on our show beginning of the year, I guess. Uh -huh. uh, and his team is, I mean, they're rock solid. And that's what they do with the cybersecurity. Right. So he came on and, and uh, we had talked about a lot of cybersecurity stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we had our email hacked a couple of times and nothing detrimental happened, but people just sending out fake invoices or trying to change our remit to address oh, geez. and things yeah. like that. So it's like, okay, well, we have, you know, a few holes that we didn't know that we had and it's time to button, sure. button things up, but it's, it's scary. It's probably one of the, one of the things that keeps me awake the most at night is just oh, the yeah. security piece. And yeah, no, we've had clients that, uh, you know, most hacks are because of human error, right? Mm -hmm. It's someone, you know, clicking on uh, an email that was a phishing email or something, you know, that looked legitimate. Um, and then that got some kind of malware into their system. It starts yep. taking over and hijacking things and turning off security measures. And, and yeah, we've had, we had a client uh, just a few months ago, they, uh, they got hacked actually for the second time. Um, and they were pretty far along the NIST 800-171 standard themselves. So they had pretty, pretty good cyber hygiene, but it wasn't, you know, they had a few gaps clearly. Yep. Um, and yeah, they had their network frozen, their, all their data exfiltrated off their network. And they got asked for like a multi-million dollar ransom and, and they didn't end up paying it and we helped them recover, but they now are having to deal with, um, the DOD and the FBI who are monitoring the dark web for that, uh, that those unclass controlled unclassified documents. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it, uh, uh, it scares Scary. the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'm glad you're yeah. doing something about it. Keep, yeah, keep on no, that path. That's, that's definitely at the forefront of, of everything that we're doing. And I, and I think what happened is, you know, somebody clicked on an email that they shouldn't have and yep. uh, gave them access to our contact database so we had mm -hmm. you know fifteen thousand people 
replying, asking us if it was a legitimate email. Oh man, that's, no, that's no fun. You no. don't want to. <laughs> no, it, and it just makes us look bad. Right. I mean, that's the, sure, of course, you know, outside of the security end of things, it, it just makes, makes yeah, like sort of a PR bad. nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, could have clients that lose confidence that, you know, yeah. their data is safe, safe with you and they could take yeah. their business elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, and I've seen companies have the ransomware that I've been mm -hmm. involved with and, and they have had to pay. Right. They were just so outdated that they couldn't back anything up or they weren't backing anything up and they, right. they literally lost everything and they, yeah. they had to pay. That's, that's tough but to recover they, from that. Yeah. It, well, and it, you know, my big thing is it's not like you're dealing with, you know, a real upstanding citizen, right? You're dealing with the scum of the earth that's hacking. So it's like, mm -hmm. how, how are you, you pay the ransom, right? Like, are they really mm -hmm. going to give you your information back? Yeah. I mean, I think they do have a little bit of a reputation to uphold, right? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, you, if it gets out that they, they won't give it back, then just people won't start, sure. won't pay their ransoms. Right. But it's not like you're going to put it into escrow. You're going to call my attorney. Yeah, right. It, exactly. Escrow account. So, yeah. Right. Well, it's funny. Just, you know, the last couple of days, there's been that hack on that big oil pipeline. I haven't heard and, about that. I kind of live in a box as far as. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things. main oil pipelines that goes from Texas to the East Coast okay. uh, was hacked and or the company that ran it was hacked. And it supplies something like 30% of all the petroleum products to the East Coast. So they had to shut down the pipeline um, to keep that, that from getting it further and further into their network. Um, so, you know, they're scrambling to get trucks instead and stuff. It's, it's a mess. But the funny part is that the, that the hackers um, put out a public statement on their website that they they didn't mean to cause so much trouble into the national infrastructure. They just wanted some money. So they said they're going to be more careful about who they hack in the future, which is so funny. Yeah, um, it's mind blowing. Well, I was on a conference call this morning and Vernon, he's one of our sales engineers up in Michigan, uh, said, Hey, just FYI, I got a text from my buddy. That's an FBI agent saying, go fill your tank up today because gas is going to get more expensive because of the pipeline. That's why. Yep. Okay. I mean, the pipeline got shut down beginning of the year with the new administration. Like what? No, this is a different one. Yeah. It's because Gosh, of this hack. It makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I guess I should watch the news more. I don't know. But this, the, the point is I think hackers do have maybe a tiny little bit of ethics or, you know, they, they, they want to make sure that they're, um, if they say they're going to, you know, you give, you give them the money, then they will actually return your data to you or else, sure. uh, you know, you, uh, anyway. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, better to avoid the whole situation in the first place by having really good cybersecurity in your company. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. It, it's such an interesting world. It's like, if you're that good at what you do, just go do something legitimate. I know. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Whatever. Um, Feel good about yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. But maybe they do, you know, it, people have different ethos, I guess. So mm -hmm. but, yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating for sure. Well, what's uh, to close out, let's talk about one of your, your favorite projects that you worked on and why. Back in the machine shop days, whatever machine shop, whatever days, shop days. Um, hmm. 
we uh i guess back in the machine shop days we um well yeah i have maybe so we actually got we were fortunate whatever in the position that we got um with some clients, we got really out of just the parts making business and got into like real deep partnership on the engineering level. So we actually got the the, the incredible fortune to work directly with Northrop Grumman okay. on designing and building machinery that was used on the production line of the Joint Strike Fighter. Oh, wow. So Northrop made the middle section of the fuselage from right behind the engine to back to the tail or whatever. And, um, uh, and so we got to design and build a couple of different things, but um, most notably was these incredibly, they were about four feet in diameter, these big rings had a whole bunch of mechanisms that they would install them into the, the leading edge of that, um, that sort of area where that would made up to the engine. And they had to, they would build the cockpit or they'd build that section of the fuselage and then they would ship it on a truck over to Texas where Lockheed Martin would integrate it into the finished airplane. And they found that they were, when they shipped them uh, just sort of as is, when they arrived in Texas, they would be slightly ovalized. They just kind of the weight and the transport, they just kind of get a little bit out of round mm. and they wouldn't then slide together nicely with everything else. So they asked us to design and build a mechanism to install into that duct and then like sort of cam rotate these little pucks that held it round. And, uh, and that was just such a cool project going down to Northrop on the, the joint strike fighter line yeah. and uh, you know, talking to the engineers and the people doing stuff and then going back and designing this whole mechanism and machining all the parts and putting it together and testing it and laser tracking it. And it was such a cool project. Yeah. Just geeking out on the technical parts yeah. and the fact that it's for this cool plane. Yeah, no, it, those, the, the DOD, there's so many cool projects that you can get involved with that it, it is very rewarding to figure those things out. Mm -hmm. we, we did a project, it was a long time ago, it was uh, for, it was a missile housing, and it was okay. a deep drawn part, and uh, the our customer figured out how to form the end, so it was like a, I don't know, 48 inch deep drawn part with multiple wow. wall thicknesses through it. And then we shipped it. Right. And then they, I think they hydroformed some way. They, they still, this day won't tell me, uh, <laughs> of course of it to, to accept, you know, the missile that was going into it. Right. And it was just from Columbus, Ohio to Elkhart, Indiana, but mm -hmm. the temperature change would push some of the parts out of. Out right. Of, uh, tolerance. Spec. And yeah. so we really had to keep the standard deviation, very very tight and the yeah. humidity and the temperature so we were, we were doing interesting things where you know it would have to go into a truck and sit and then we would test them to make sure that when they got to their shop they would still be in tolerance so mm -hmm. you know, those those things it are, is yeah are, it is amazing how complex the supply chain can get when yeah. you're dealing with things like that yeah that's something yeah. just a few degrees will throw something out or or who totally. would think that something that big would would get out around just shipping? <laughs> I know, and I mean, it's made out of really strong carbon fiber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what makes it. That's what makes it so fun. That's yeah. what makes this whole industry so fun and fascinating. Sure.
Oh, absolutely. And, and reward. I mean, it's just so, so rewarding to, uh, to accomplish those things. So. Awesome. Cause you're solving real world problems that yeah. affects, you know, big systems and big, yeah. big companies and programs. And yeah. 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 Well, man, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to meeting you in person one day. I'm sure. Yes, at IMT, place, IMTS so. at the very latest. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, so, well, well, it's been fun, Dustin. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can do this in person sometime. And and uh, I just think it makes it a little bit more fun and a little easier. But I super appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with next. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to be I on mean, the show everyone, with you. To close out, everyone knows how to get a hold of you, but they want to email you with uh, questions. How do they do that? Uh, my email is just paul at proshoperp.com. And, uh, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. If you just search my name um, and it's V-A-N-M-E-T-R-E, you'll almost certainly find me. Perfect. Well, we'll put details in the description as well. And we'll get this episode off to you to share when we publish it. All right. Thank well, you, sir. Yeah, good thank good you. talking to you. All right, bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of MFG Monkey. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please email them to us at info at mfgmonkey.com.